and that was really exciting because I was painting in such a thick, heavy way, and then watching these thick brush strokes just like move across the canvas. It was, it was very beautiful. Working on the Van Gogh film, it loosened me up a lot because you couldn't be particular about very small brush strokes. Your brush strokes were large, they were fat, they were thick and sloppy, and this frame, every frame that you created, all the shapes that came from that frame, they worked together as one. It was like weaving together yeah. much more. Loading artists, audio inside. Loading artists, audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists, audio inside. Loading artists, audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's Artcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back, oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists, audio inside. Loading artists, audio inside. Welcome to Oddcast, the Loving Vincent episode. Loving Vincent is a hand-painted film worked over a five-year period which initially was filmed with live actors. Then a call was made for painters to come and work on the film and paint renditions of the footage using various methods to create the effects of Vincent van Gogh's paintings set in motion. Some 5,000 painters from around the world applied to work on the project and only 125 were selected. Kat Knudsen was one of them. In this episode, I talk with Kat, based in New Bedford, Massachusetts, about her experiences during her work on the film. Thanks for listening. Kat Knudsen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. How did it come about that you were selected to work on Loving Vincent? I saw one of those uh, movies on Facebook, one of those little video, you know, a little short video talking about the Loving Vincent project going Mm -hmm. on. And that was, I think, in either late 2015 or early 2016, and I remember right after I saw that, I was like, I need to be a part of this. This yeah. is what I do. I I had already previously worked with 
animating with oil paints. And um, this was just right up my alley, and I, I knew I needed to be a part of this. Right. And um, so I then sent in, I, I went to the Loving Vincent website, and I found out they were still taking applications, you know, people to send their portfolio in. So I sent that in, and I emailed them. I even made a painting in what I thought was a slight Van Gogh style oh, yeah. of Van Gogh. And then I, you know, sent that in, and... Um, I just, you know, waited to hear back from them, and I didn't hear back for quite a while, probably a month, maybe right. two months, and then all of a sudden I got an email from the manager, Magdalena. Uh, she was in charge of selecting and bringing on the finalist, and I found out that I got accepted, yeah. and I was ecstatic, right. and then that's how I became one of them. It was, it was really exciting. There was a sense of, you need to do this. You're going to do this. Yeah. But then, so I put my, you know, hat in the ring. But when I got that email and then talked to her, I was like, wow, this is really happening. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and off to Poland, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cool. How long were you there? Oh, gosh. It was like most of May, June, July. Wow. And a little bit of August, like the first week and a half, I think, of August. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, to me, uh, uh, you said you completed about how many paintings for it? Um, I probably was just under 80 paintings. Yeah, Yeah, there was... um, a lot. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of paintings. There were a lot of moments where I messed up and I had to start over, but overall completed probably right under 80. Wow. At what location did you work on the film? I was in this little city called Gdansk. It's on the north part of Poland, right on the Baltic Sea. It was almost right... There were parts of it that were right on the water. Yeah. Um, it's an old city. I can't remember what it used to be called um, right after the Germans were there. But um, it's Gdansk, G-D-A-N-S-K. Um, it had lots of beautiful architecture. There were new parts of the old city that were rebuilt in the 40s and 50s, right after World War II happened. Yeah. Um, and then there were still some buildings that were, you know, left as they were from right after World War II. It was really interesting seeing the new buildings next to yeah. those old buildings. But it was a beautiful city. I just had to ask Kat if she painted any of Van Gogh's irises for the movie. <laughs> 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 so did you paint the irises at all? Uh, I, I didn't paint the irises. No, I painted a flower very similar to the irises. I don't remember what that flower was called, but in the scene that I painted with Dr. Gachet, yeah. I painted those flowers. Oh, cool. Yeah, just as a, as a fan, I had to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could understand. They were very beautiful. That painting had lots of uh, variations of blue to manage. I had uh, two large palettes, each palette containing, you know, a dozen or two shades of blue independently that had to be managed um, as I was animating that scene, and parts of the blue were in those flowers. Cool. Next, Kat describes what it was like to paint with Van Gogh's color palette and his technique. It was very difficult at first for me to acclimate to that because I'm normally a thin, more of a wash painter. 
Yeah. Um, I paint with oils. That's my dominant medium. Um, but I, I normally paint with like glazing or there's a little bit of scumbling, but it's not as thick. And whereas the consistency that I was painting with on the Van Gogh film was like that of more like toothpaste consistency. Yeah. And the more you got the hang of it, the more it felt like I was putting these very uh, malleable, wet pieces of like Lego consistency, just kind of attaching them to the the canvas. Whereas with painting, you kind of smear this like liquid, liquid as plasma like consistency on the canvas. It was very um, heavy paint, and it never dried. We added medium to it. I can't remember the name of the medium, but it made it so that you would mix. Um, all of the palette at once, and it would be able to stay wet for days and days and days oh, wow. and workable. Uh, but it was a very thick consistency, which I'm not used to. I'm used yeah. to working a lot thinner. Next is the topic of the brush stroke and keeping it all together. There were some times where you would keep count of the brush strokes inside parts of the frame. Oh, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Whenever I was near the middle of working on the film, I would sometimes, after work, see if I could paint, but more so draw, because I wouldn't have paint with me. I would just have, you know, like a pen or my sketch pad. And I would draw out by memory the painting based on the strokes. And sometimes I would keep track of the number of brush strokes in the frames, just because you would do it so repetitively that you would just know. Like, I still remember... I don't remember the exact strokes of how many went into the brim of Dr. Gachet, but I do remember that like on the side of his face, the way that they had us putting the shadow in, there was always like between five and seven orange strokes yeah. for his shadow. It was like a, an orangey, a muted yellow-orange color that was part of his shadow. And there's always the same strokes there that just kept moving slightly at angle. But it was the same number almost every time. Oh, wow. It ranged between one and two. And um, for his, let's see, his hair was stubborn. It was annoying painting his hair. But that, more so, it was probably between 15 and 20 strokes of one of the darker colors for his hair. And I remember that one because that color was always pushed up against the blue that was right behind him, and you never wanted these colors to bleed into each other because they would make a brown with them being complements. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I could probably still do a, a sketch, a rough sketch, using the same strokes on the Dr. Gachet scene. Next, I asked Kat what a typical painting day was like. Um, you'd wake up. At the very beginning, I, I would start early in the day, like 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, there was a cafe in the same building that we were working in, so you would have lunch there sometimes. Or there was um, another cafe inside this little mall that was about two blocks from where we were working. We would go there in groups sometimes. Um, so we'd eat lunch, and then we'd go back to work, and then... Based on the number of frames where you were with your process, um, you would then go back to work and stay as late as, you know, 2 or 3 in the morning or as early, get out, leave as early as like 9 or 10 at night. On average, you'd put in 
on a day between 12 and 16 hours. And then after a few days back to back like that, uh, there was, we would go out, like the group of us would go from one place to another. We would explore areas outside of Gdansk. We would go to the beach, maybe go out dancing, go ha- go to the bar and have a drink, or go home and just go to sleep and get ready for the next day. Um, the days that you produced more frames, it would be very tempting to stay longer because you were on a roll. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the days that you were working on mixing the palette, I would... Um, I would want to go home early that day because you'll mix like a ton of the color, like maybe up to like a cup of one of the colors for your palettes. And then you'd have to make sure that that color is accurate. And once it's accurate, then you make more of it. But as you're making more of it, the color fluctuates just a little bit. So you have to make sure that you stay on task and constantly checking it. And like I was saying before, I had two main palettes that I managed, and on each palette had anywhere from a dozen and a half to a couple dozen. It changed of colors to manage, so you imagine lots of colors to mix. So those days were were more frustrating than the days where you were just working on frames and um, making sure the frames passed approval and then working on the next frame. That was a typical, like, routine. Yeah. I drank lots of, of coffee. There were tons of uh, cafes around the area. And then where I was staying in the old downtown scene of Gdansk, there was a really nice place called Cafe Emporium that I used to frequent before and after work. Unless I got out really late in the day. But if I got out before midnight, they were always open. They weren't? They were. Oh, they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I then asked Kat if she has ever worked in a similar fashion, such as from reference material photograph or animation prior to working on this film? I have worked from reference to material a lot in my work. Um, I worked with a lot of Photoshop, a lot of photography. Um, I always had, I didn't have a hard time gaining access to live models at school, but outside of school, I'd have a harder time accessing live models for a number of reasons. Um, one, I wouldn't be able to afford to pay them. That's the main reason. Um, and two, just not having a good space to work with a live model. Um, so I worked with a lot of reference imagery, and that kind of that was probably one of the pieces of the puzzle that transitioned into me working with painted animation later on. Next, Kat describes how working on Loving Vincent has changed her as an artist. Um, I, I paint a lot thicker now. than I did before, and that's not intentional. I mean, it it just... I I pick up a lot more paint on my brushes now. I lay more paint on the canvas or board. I started working with boards more. Um, I was visiting my best friend in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, earlier this summer, and she finally got me to try working oil on panel. I've always been a canvas painter. Yeah. And... um, now that I pick up a lot more paint on my brushes, it's a lot easier to lay down more paint on whatever support that I'm using. So that changed the consistency. I'm trying to wean it back down because I miss the thin glazes. But yeah. I'm kind of a more... I'm not like impasto. I'm not like... Uh, there was one professor at UMass that I worked with, and I saw some of his paintings, Anthony Fisher, and he just cakes on tons and tons of paint on his yeah. paintings. So I'm not quite, you know, that much of an, that kind of impasto painter, but... Um, I definitely pick up a lot more paint than what I used to. And then 
in other ways, um, I've always, my work has always combined a lot of different materials, not, and, and also different, um, disciplines. Yeah. And so I was talking earlier about it. It's like an omelet, being like an omelet artist, like taking something. In this case, it was painting and animation and then making an omelet out of those two. Um, I know a, a similar word, I think hybrid artist has been thrown around here and there, but I, I continue to enjoy mixing different mediums and approaches together depending on what the idea of the project is for. So I loved that it was reinforced working on this film. This was the first uh, large production I'd ever worked on too, so it kind of got my appetite a little wet for wanting to work on more production pieces. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd want to be an animator or a storyboard artist or if I'd want to help with the editing or like there's a, a lot of different hats that I could wear in those processes, but um, it just makes me want to keep playing with different mediums together, yeah. Yeah, depending on what the project would be. Do you now have a greater appreciation for Van Gogh's work? Absolutely, <laughs> yes. I The consistency that he worked at, um, he was... He was a, I think he was a bit of a plain painter, not plain like boring plain, but like literally he saw the planes of things, like um, think of planes of a cube, you know, the six sides, and it's turned at different angles, at different perspectives. Like he didn't have, um, his brushstrokes were pretty consistent, but looking at how they lined up or contradicted each other in angles, um, they were very sensitive to the direction of the form that they were representing. So he was a very um, sculptural painter, I feel like, after working on the film. And then yeah. his drawings, he was a great draftsman. Yeah. He was really good. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> his drawings showed that he was really good at rendering volume. Um, he was very sensitive to light. But the way that his... Um, the consistency of the way that he painted, he was he was really good at recognizing those planar structures. So, yes, absolutely. Oh, um, now I think you mentioned earlier, but the the character in the film that you worked on mostly, or oh, Dr. Gachet, yes, Dr. Gachet, Jerome yeah. Flynn, Jerome Flynn, yes, he was, uh, I think, a mercenary in uh the game of thrones show i forget where he which uh seasons and episodes he showed up in the most yeah. but yes jerome who's the guy that i animated i saw him and briefly got to met him during the premiere which happened this year in yeah. france but he was there at the premiere with dorota and hugh and sean oh, yeah. yes So back to the film and Van Gogh a little bit. And, okay. Um, are there things to learn about Van Gogh that can be found in the film? Like anything new or? I don't want to give the film away, but there's a there's a different uh, twist in how he ended up where he was in his final days, in his final um, the last chapter, um, and. It's intriguing. It is very informing. Um, 
and I don't want to give it away. And to close, Kat shares her thoughts on going for it in regards to artistic opportunities. I think that this would be more either the teacher in me or the student, I don't know, coming out. But going back to what you were saying earlier about how did I get to work on this show, it was a shot in the dark. Like, I knew I wanted to work on it. There was something in me that just felt like I needed to work on this film. It lined up with everything that I was doing at my studio at the time as far as forcing two very diverse mediums to talk with each other. Um, but when I, once I threw in my application, I don't know, there was just this shot-in-the-dark chance that, um, I mean, I would have never gotten it if I hadn't tried. So yeah. I think one of the best things I learned about this film was that, um, and I'd, I'd say this to students and to fellow artists who maybe aren't as well practiced in mediums that we're really excited about, but you just don't know what you're capable of until you just try it. Because I was not, like, I wasn't trained in animation. I was all self-taught with animation. Um, but I, with, with practice, I developed a really good understanding of, you know, the basic principles of animation. Um, and they, they're very close. They go hand in hand with design rendering you know they just have that extra 40 element to it but the point I was trying to make is you don't know until you jump in yeah. and you try and that was probably the best thing I took away from working on this film and all the reward that came from you know the people I met the the thing that I got to be a part of the things I learned on set working with with a team um getting something much bigger than myself you know yeah. leading towards that being accomplished like I just jumped in, and it was scary, and I'm really glad that I did it, yeah. and I would totally do it again in hindsight. I would do it to like work with an even bigger project. Like I grew so much, and I try to tell my students all the time that like the what we learn in school, the techniques, the design, the history, aesthetic, popular culture, trend, like that's great, but. If you just put your own spin on it and you just keep experimenting, learn that craftsmanship of the medium that you want to work in, and then just put yourself out there, like these little opportunities show up in the weirdest ways. Like I learned about this watching a small clip that flew by my Facebook feed, and I was like, what is that? I'm going to go investigate that. <laughs> oh, there's an email. There's a link. I'm going to find out who these people are. What's going on? I'm going to knock on their door. I'm going to bang on their door. <laughs> hey! Who are you? I want to work on this, <laughs> you know, and and it that that was probably the biggest thing that led to me getting this opportunity. Yeah. So I just encourage uh, other artists, young artists, students to have that just same, continue that same drive. It's obsessive. It's a little maniacal. It's a little crazy sometimes thinking outside of your own box because we have boxes that we put around ourselves all the time. Yeah. And, and moving beyond that, um, because you just never know until, like the cliche says, you never know until you try. And, and I'm really glad I tried with this. Many thanks to Kat Knudsen for taking the time to share what it was like to work on Loving Vincent. For more on the film, please visit lovingvincent.com. Loving Vincent is set for release in New York City on September 22nd, 2017.
in Los Angeles on September 29th, and all over the U.S. shortly thereafter. All music in this episode was composed, recorded, and performed by Kat Knudsen herself. So thanks for listening. Podcast home is A-H-T-C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again.